As you are aware, we have started a stewardship sermon series. Last Sunday, we looked at the stewardship of prayer. Today, we're going to look at the stewardship of our health, our bodies. Now, you're driving in bumper-to-bumper traffic on I-70 when this bumper sticker on the car ahead of you catches your attention. This car belongs to a preacher. Be careful how you drive or you will become a sermon illustration. (laughs) Well, I'm not preaching this morning about driving unless you wanted to make driving a metaphor for how we should live, for how God expects us to train our bodies as well as our spirits. We are in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, reading initially verses 6 through 10, although we'll be considering verses 1 through 16. Paul, writing to Timothy, says these things. If you put these things before the brothers, in other words, those who are in the church with you, you will be a good servant of Jesus Christ, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive Because we have put our hope, I'm sorry, we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Now, as you are well aware, Paul is writing to his much younger protege, Timothy. But this letter is of great importance to us, because through it, Through this letter, the Spirit of God is attempting to warn us about a significant faith shift, a significant faith shift that will happen among Christians in times to come. Some might even say that those times are already here. And the only way that we as Christians can avoid this significant faith shift is by going into training. And so let's look at our first point this morning. What if we trained ourselves to listen to what the Spirit was saying? Paul says this in chapter, I'm sorry, verses 1 through 5. Now the Spirit, the Spirit of God, expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Now, in order to listen, we must pay attention We must pay attention so that we hear what is being said. 
We must train ourselves to listen, especially in these times when there are so many voices that are clamoring for our attention. I'm sure you recognize that we must train ourselves to block out those voices that are subtly calling us to make a detour from our Christian faith. And there are many voices that are attempting to do that. We have to train ourselves to listen to what the Spirit of God is saying. And the Spirit of God is still speaking to us through his written and his preached word and through the voice of our conscience. Now, training ourselves to listen to the Spirit is all the most, more important because the Spirit never shouts. The Spirit of God is no shouter. In fact, he only speaks to us, Jeremiah says, in a still, small voice. And we will miss it unless we learn to listen well. Now, the Spirit of God is speaking to the church, Paul says. And the Spirit is speaking expressly, meaning he's speaking clearly. In other words, he's not speaking in ambiguous terms at all. He's very clear about what he's saying. And what the Spirit of God is saying is extremely concerning. The Spirit of God is warning us as Christians that a time of great apostasy is coming. Indeed, some might say it is already here. This is how Merriam-Webster defines apostasy. Refusing to continue to follow, obey, or recognize a religious faith. So there's a refusal to continue in what you already know. But here's how the Spirit of God defines apostasy in our passage. Christians being seduced away from the faith by the teachings of deceitful spirits, demons, and, insinc and insincere liars who have no conscience. Now that is a mouthful of a definition, is it not? It is a mouthful. It is a mouthful for us to digest. But we'd better digest it because these are the words of the Spirit of God himself. And they couldn't be more accurate. Now, one of the first steps to apostasy, um, Matthew Henry um, says, was pragmatism. He says that this happened when the church in earlier years began worshiping and praying to dead saints. When they began erecting altars, burning incense, and consecrating images and temples in honor of these saints. Did I say pragmatism? I meant paganism. My apologies. I knew that there was something off there. Paganism. But you might also say that pragmatism is one of those things that can lead to that as well. Because today, that great deception continues before our very eyes, and Christians are falling for it because they're being seduced away from the Christian faith by the Spirit of paganism. They're buying into the lies of paganism hook, line, and sinker. Now, one of those lies, if you would pay attention, and again, this message is about paying attention and listening, right? 
But one of those lies has to do with distorting the meaning of the oldest and most influential institution in society. And that is marriage, the marriage relationship. The Spirit of God in this passage was warning of a time when marriage would be forbidden. Now, in some circles, marriage among clergy is forbidden. Don't need to necessarily go into the specifics of that. But maybe the Spirit of God was looking even beyond that and predicting a time when lawmakers would listen to the voice of another spirit and legally tamper with God's definition of marriage to make marriage mean whatever their loudest constituents wanted to mean. You recognize, I'm sure you do, that politicians serve constituents. And whoever shouts the loudest gains their attention. And so fast forward to HR 8404, or the, what they call the Respect for Marriage Act. It is now the law of the land. But that law is nothing more than a lie from another spirit. It's a lie from another spirit. This lie makes it illegal to disregard any marriage between two individuals that is valid under state law. This lie is a frontal attack on God's definition of marriage. And you will be amazed at how many Christians now believe this lie over what scripture teaches. A second lie that the Spirit of God is warning us about has to do with the food that we eat. That seems rather innocuous, doesn't it? But this lie requires abstinence from foods, from certain types of foods. Now, if we're going to be healthy, which we really should aspire to be, there's no question that we must watch our diet. We have to limit our portion sizes. I don't necessarily need to tell you that. We have to manage the amount or number of calories that we're taking in. We must protect our salt, sugar, and fat intake, or the results of this will be weight gain, which can place enormous strain on our vital organs, can even shorten our lifespan. We have to be disciplined about our diet. But what the Spirit of God is cautioning us against in this passage is making a cult out of food by establishing rules that require that you abstain from certain foods. And God says in this passage, in fact, the Spirit of God says that these foods were created for us to receive with thanksgiving. And so we've got to be careful about some of the lies that paganism are bringing before us. So to wrap up point number one, we need to train ourselves to listen to what the Spirit of God is saying because he is speaking even if he is not shouting. Here's our second point. What if we trained ourselves to engage in regular exercise? Paul says this, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Train yourself for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. 
as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. For to this end we toil and strive because we have, set, we have our hopes set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. I'm sure you recognize that listening to the Spirit goes hand in hand with exercise. Exercising. And there's a twofold kind of exercise that Paul speaks about in this passage. We must train ourselves to exercise because if you don't realize it, you'll realize it now that our bodies prefer comfort over pain. <laughs> right? Yes, mine does and yours does too. And exercise can be painful. And so the first type of exercise that Paul talks about in this passage under the influence of the Holy Spirit is spiritual. The Spirit is calling us to train ourselves in three critical spiritual areas. First of all, in the words of the faith. Secondly, in sound doctrine. And three, in godliness. Now that means that the Spirit wants us to become students of the Christian faith. He wants us to learn about it. Learn about the history of the Christian faith. Learn about those who have been martyred for the Christian faith. Learn about those struggles uh, that the Christian faith has undergone and triumphed over. Become students of the Christian faith. The Spirit of God also wants us to become students of sound doctrine. Because not every doctrine out there is sound. Much of it is deceptive. So we need to train ourselves to recognize sound doctrine. We need to become students of sound doctrine. And then the Spirit of God wants us to become students of what it means to be godly. Because you see, we are godly people. And we need to exhibit what it means to be godly. I believe that the Word of God speaks to all three areas. In the Word, we will find instructions that build our faith in Christ, and strengthen our relationship with him. In the word, we're going to find instructions about how to uh, make our faith even better, even stronger. And in the word, we'll find instructions about how to live godly lives. But we must train ourselves to read and study the word of God for ourselves. Some of our College students identified that as a priority for them this year. I see some of them smiling. To read God's word daily and to apply it to their lives. We must train ourselves to do that. As you look at this slide behind me, it speaks of iron sharpening iron. When I look at that, I think that that refers to our Christian discipleship with one another. As we get together and study scripture together, in addition to the personal study that we're doing, it is iron sharpening iron. We are allowing other people's perspectives of the word to sharpen our perspectives. We are becoming more spiritually mature as we listen to other people expound the word to us. That is how we grow spiritually. Now they say that if you're in a room and you are the most intelligent person in the room, Find another room. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. 
Because you see, you need to allow other people to speak into your life so that you can become even wiser and smarter than you are. So the Spirit says that there is value in becoming students of the Word, students of the faith, and students of godliness. There is value in spiritual exercise because it will enable us to become more godly, more Christ-like in the present, but it will also assure us of our eternal reward in heaven, the eternal life to which God has called us. So there is value in spiritual exercise. Now Paul says this, that it is toward living godly in the present and being fit for the future that we as Christians toil and strive and persevere. That means that we are working out, we are exercising, and it is making us stronger. He says this, for to this end we toil, that, in, that involves inflicting pain on your body, making your body do what it is that you want it to do. We toil, we strive, because we have a hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people. There is spiritual exercise that is happening and it is developing our spiritual muscles so that we are becoming more resilient as Christians. And so we who believe have set our hope on the living God who will deliver us in this present world and he will indeed help us through sound doctrine and through the word and through godliness to become even more fit. But here's the second type of training to which the spirit is calling us. It is physical. Paul says bodily training is of some value. So in other words, we can't say that because we are the, uh, exercising spiritually and we are developing spiritual muscle that we, could, we should neglect physical exercise. We need to train our bodies to exercise again because we prefer comfort over pain. We prefer eating and sleeping or sitting on a couch watching TV over getting up and hitting the treadmill or taking a brisk walk through the community, maybe two or three times per week. Now, this ad, I'm told, appeared on the Tonight Show, and I think it captures how many people feel about exercise. Quote, Nordic track, never used, will trade for a bread maker. <laughs> so you have a Nordic track, right? You have a Nordic track, and you can get on it, but you're willing to trade it for a bread maker. That is, that is very interesting. The Spirit says that there is more excellent value in spiritual exercise. He does say that. Because it gives us the hope of heaven. However, he does not say that we should overlook physical exercise. Because this is what he says, it has some value in it. It results in better physical health and even better mental health as well. Here's our third and final point. What if we trained ourselves to become model believers? Verses 11 through 16. Set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. 
do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Now, Timothy is a young man. Timothy has not yet become an established minister. And so he's afraid that people will despise him because he's young. Sometimes that can be intimidating in a church. When you have to preach to people who are more spiritually mature than you are or older than you are, that can be intimidating. And that is very intimidating for Timothy here. And so Paul wants to affirm Timothy and to have him seriously consider how important it is for him to exercise the authority that, he's been, that he has been given, the, the authority of his office, to call the church to greater devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ, greater discipleship. Now it is in the same vein, and it is with the same authority that I call all of you this morning to be model Christians. Be model Christians. There are five virtues that Paul shares with Timothy here that uh, speak to, to um, what it means to be a model Christian. Be a model Christian in your speech, Paul says. That is, the words that you speak, but not only the words that you speak, but, the, but how you speak them. Because you see, there are some of us who are better truth tellers, Right? Some of us who are truth-tellers, and we, 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 how do I put this, without, without seeming offensive? Yeah, we speak the truth, right? But sometimes we need to speak the truth with grace. Not all of us can do that and do that well. So Paul says, be an example, be a model believer in your speech, in, the, in what you say and in how you say. Be a model um, a model believer in your conduct, in the integrity with which you conduct yourself, even when no one is looking. They say that integrity means how you conduct yourself when nobody is watching. Be a model believer in your love, in the courteous, respectful, and loving way in which you treat people. Be a model believer in your faith, the faithfulness with which you live out what you believe. There's some of us, we believe something and we're convicted about what we believe, but we tend to be obnoxious in the way that we live out what we believe. Be a model believer in your purity, in the fidelity with which you approach all of your relationships. I think that people are more attracted by seeing these virtues displayed than by anything that you will tell them about Jesus. If you are a model person in your speech, in your conduct, in your faith, in your purity, people tend to look at that and they admire that more than they will even uh, listen to you tell them about Jesus. But as we look at this, I find that the Spirit of God is also calling Timothy to practice another virtue. And this is a personal virtue. This is something that Paul wants Timothy to practice personally. 
But I believe that we see in this a corporate value as well, a corporate virtue. The Spirit called Timothy to devote himself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. That means he wants Timothy as a pastor to read the Scriptures publicly. I'm glad that we do that in our church. To preach and to exhort from them so that people will hear them and they will heed the warnings that are contained in the Scriptures and in this teaching. He wants Timothy to teach publicly so that people can, can, can benefit from his teaching. The Spirit means, therefore, that those in Timothy's church must also devote themselves to hearing. So Timothy has a responsibility to reading publicly and preaching publicly, but those in Timothy's church also have the responsibility of hearing and receiving his reading and exhorting and teaching and acting on them as well. That's a corporate value. And so finally, the Spirit calls all of us. Notice some of the language that he uses. Immerse yourself. That means that you must be fully into Scripture. Not just in your head, but allowing your heart, your very life, to be fully immersed in Scripture. And then he says, practice them as well. So not, don't only hear what is being taught, but put them into practice. And then he says, persist. Because you see, humanly speaking, we have a tendency of only doing something once. And then if it doesn't work out, we tend to quit. Or if we get discouraged, or if somebody hurts our feelings or whatever, we tend to back away. Paul says, no, persist, persist. Develop persistence in these virtues. And then look at what he says. He says, Keep a close watch on yourself. Even as you are preaching, and he's talking to Timothy now, so he must be talking to me. Theo, even as you are preaching, keep a close watch on yourself. Because not because you are able to teach or preach means that you are able to master these things. So you must keep a very close eye on yourselves, lest there's something in your life that offends and causes those you teach to be swayed from the truth. But even as I keep a close eye on myself, you keep a close eye on yourself as well. Because only as we do these things, Paul says, that we will be able to make progress in our Christian walk. And notice carefully, that is how we will save ourselves. And that is how we will save those who are listening to us. Which brings us to the bottom line of our message this morning. The Spirit is calling us into spiritual and physical training. So it is a both end. I want to close this message this morning by strongly urging you as a congregation to listen to the Spirit who is whispering some things to us. He's not shouting. He's whispering. And because he's whispering, if we're not listening carefully, we will miss what he's saying. So first of all, the Spirit is whispering to some people this morning to come into the faith. They've never come before, but he's saying to them, come now. There's an opportunity before you. He's calling you, come into the faith. Now what do we mean by the faith? The faith means all that the Bible teaches about Jesus. 
who Jesus is and what he came to earth to accomplish. Jesus was God in the flesh. He came to earth as a baby. He grew up as a man. He preached the gospel. He said to people that they should repent and believe in him because to believe in him was to receive eternal life. He gave his life on a cross so that sinners, and all of us were that, might come to receive eternal life. So that is what we mean by the faith. And the Spirit of God this morning is calling some who have never entered the faith to come into the faith this morning. With eyes closed and heads bowed, I want to issue a challenge this morning to anyone here who has never given their heart to Jesus. And anyone listening online, I want to challenge you today to come into the faith. And you come into the faith by opening up your heart and life to Jesus and saying, God, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and make me a child of God. Is there any person here this morning who wants that to happen for them? May I see your hand if that is the case with you? If there's anybody listening virtually and that is your desire, we encourage you wherever you are, bow your head and ask Jesus to become your Savior and your Lord. Let's look at the second point as you open your eyes again and raise from bowed heads. Listen as the Spirit is whispering to you to persevere in the faith. So this then is directed to those of you who already believe. You are in the faith. You are believers. You are children of God. The Spirit of God is calling you to persevere in the faith because other spirits are trying to seduce you away from the faith. There's a spirit of legalism. There's a spirit of paganism. There's a spirit of materialism, the spirit of pragmatism. Maybe that's where that word came from that I misplaced earlier. There are so many other spirits that are being disguised as the real spirit and they're calling you away from your Christian faith. But the only things that will help us persevere are the word of faith, sound doctrine, and prayer. These are the three things that will keep you um, persevering. The words of faith that are involved in scripture, sound doctrine about the faith, and prayer. Whether that is personal, group prayer, or corporate. I wonder if there's anybody here this morning who will respond to what the Spirit of God is saying in this particular area of perseverance. Maybe you have been thinking about giving up, throwing in the towel. This life is too hard. The Spirit of God is whispering to you this morning, persevere. There is a reward that is laid up for you if you persevere. Then thirdly and finally, the Spirit of God is whispering to you to model the faith. Model the faith. Become model Christians. Exhibit these five virtues that Paul alluded to earlier. Speech, conduct, love, faith, purity. Devote yourselves 
to hearing scripture, public reading of scripture. Devote yourselves to hearing exhortation about scripture. Now that means showing up whenever and wherever the scripture is being read and preached publicly. And that is your local church. I believe this morning that we need to prioritize better church attendance. I believe that we don't, we shouldn't, we shouldn't devote ourselves to other pursuits and then give God only what is convenient or left over on a Sunday morning. But I believe Sunday morning at church attendance has to be a priority if you are a believer. Because you're celebrating with other Christians. You're celebrating the faith publicly. And then I believe that the Spirit of God is calling us to be model Christians by being self-disciplined. Self-disciplined and persistent in our faith. Let us pray together. Holy Spirit, you are speaking, and you're still speaking to our church. And God, we don't want to be guilty of not listening. We want to be guilty of listening to what the Spirit is saying. And we want to be applying the truth of what you say so that we are becoming even better Christians, model Christians, of whom you can be proud and pleased. God, please show us how to take away and how to apply the truths we have heard today to our lives. Maybe there is some specific area that applies to us. Maybe, maybe all of it applies to us. Maybe some of it applies to us more than others. God, we pray that you would indeed show us what we need to take away and how we need to apply it. In Jesus' name we pray.